This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Thousands of people have signed an online petition asking the city to rename Dundas Street in Toronto because Henry Dundas was involved in opposing the abolition of slavery in the British Empire in the 18th century. This in the wake of protests, that might have been the 19th century, uh, at least the beginning of it, this in the wake of protests against police brutality and anti-black racism following the murder of George Floyd. Now, south of the border, a number of statues honoring men with racist belief have been taken down along with other symbolic moves like NASCAR's ban of the Confederate flag. And similar moves are underway in the United Kingdom. It's not the first time there's been an effort like this here. In the last year or so, there was a bid to remove statues of our founding prime minister, Sir John A. Macdonald, because of his role in establishing residential schools. So what do you think? Should we take another look at this? Should we rename some of these streets? Should we take down some of these statues? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now, let's go to Melanie Newton, Associate Professor of History at the University of Toronto, and Dr. Christopher Dummett, an Associate Professor in Trent's School for the Study of Canada. Thank you so much for being with us. Hello, thank you. Hi, let's start with Melanie. What is your take on this? Well, hi, good afternoon. Hi. I think it's a hi. I think it's a really important conversation. I think it's um it's a, it's a it's a wonderful thing that as part of the response to the awfulness that has been exposed in terms of the relationship between police brutality and anti-black violence in the present and the legacies of slavery and the slave trade in the past, that there's an intimate connection between those two historical moments and realities of violence, that this that there are these kinds of conversations happening. Um, and I want to point out that it's not just like, so you have the Confederate statute conversation in the United, in the United States, you've had the conversation about the Henry Dundas monuments in uh, Scotland, um, but there was a longer-standing movement called the Roads Must Fall movement in South Africa against um, monuments to Cecil Rhodes. So this is part of a, I think, a broader questioning of how that history of the legacy of slavery, um, African colonization, um, racial segregation, racial inequality, and how these kinds of monuments and street names continue to reinforce the values that produce that kind of system in the present. Christopher, what's your view? Oh, well, thanks. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I'm sort of intrigued, the idea that, uh, that, that street names continue to reinforce, um, you know, the, the, the legacy of slavery, which is a terrible legacy. When, when you, you were just talking to the mayor and he had no idea who Dundas is, I, I didn't think you did. And I'd be amazed if many people knew who, who Henry, Henry Dundas was. So my sense is that a lot of these monuments, people don't have any idea of the history behind them. You know um, what? So I, not, 
I, I think you're absolutely right. And I have to say that, that one of the things that I think is very good about this conversation is that I know personally, as soon as I go to another city and I enjoy history, I studied history. I mean, the first thing I do is, is go to the main street or, or the square and, and get the history of who is portrayed there. And this is my city. It's our city. I had no idea who Henry Dundas is, that he was even a person. And I, I think that it's certainly valuable that, that we should know this stuff. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I think we should as well. I mean, I, I think uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I, when, when, I, when I'm faced with these suggestions that we tear down statues or change names, my, my inclination is actually to do something uh, a little bit different, which is that is to add names. Um, this idea that you can have an either-or history, you either have to have uh, these names there or not have them is a bit kind of a bit two-sided. It's a bit, it's a bit, a bit simplistic. Um, and I'm also intrigued about what isn't mentioned in these campaigns. These campaigns are often quite rooted in the present and really don't have much of an interest in understanding the past at all. Um, so, for example, I, I, don't, I haven't noticed any campaigns to rename Brantford, Ontario, or actually a number of Six Nations reserves, even though Joseph Brant, um, you know, prominent chief, was, was a large slave owner. Um, so there's often a really selective choice about which people in the past that we pick out, and they, you know, they have to do with contemporary political concerns, and often very little about the, the more, more complexity of the past itself. Melanie? Um, <laughs> I think that, well, I would question the choice to immediately go to what would obviously be an emotive, like in the moment where we're talking not just about police violence against black people, but also police violence against indigenous people, that there would be some kind of false equivalency drawn between Henry Dundas, who is the Secretary of State for War and Colonies of the British Empire, who helped to delay the abolition of the slave trade, um, that there would be an equivalency drawn between that and a statue of Joseph Branford. I think it is unfair and ahistorical to just talk about all of these different kinds of conversations about different kinds of monuments or memorials, um, so street names, statues, um, slave castles along the West African coast, um, plantation great houses. Um, these are conversations that are happening in a range of different countries around the world. They're often precisely about trying to get people to have those deep and complex conversations about the history of that place and how it connects to wider transnational histories of injustice. And what they do routinely face is this kind of very, this oversimplification of what it is that they are trying to accomplish. So I think that, again, you know, maybe there's a conversation to be had about Joseph Branford. That's a different conversation. We are talking about Henry Dundas. And we are talking about who he was specifically and what it means to have a street named after him. And I would say that the idea that the choice to name a street after someone is somehow an apolitical or meaningless or insignificant gesture, and the fact that most people, in fact, don't know who this man was, that speaks to our own miseducation. That well, yeah, absolutely. We would choose to name streets after people, but then... There is no real connection between the landscapes that we move through and the kind of education that we receive. That's a very good point. I'd like to take a couple of calls. People are waiting. Let's go to Susan in East York. Hi, Susan. Hi. Uh, thank you for your call. 
uh, from let me call. Um, I just want to say that it's history, and it's like mistakes that were made. And could we get the Civil War over, uh, do it over again and never happen, just erase it? No. He was a... He was a friend of Lord Simcoe, and that's why uh, Dundas Street was named. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. So that choice was made a long time ago. So you are against renaming the street, Susan? Correct. Can you imagine the small businesses from Kingston Road all the way west to wherever it ends? Everybody having any business there on the street, the, the cost of them, who's going to pay for that? Well, yeah, that's that's a whole other issue. Susan, thanks for your call. Okay. And uh, yes, the mayor was saying that there are 10,000 addresses that would have to be changed, and uh, he didn't even get into street signs and traffic and all of that. Rick in Muskoka. Hi, Rick. Hi. Um, um, Great. Thanks for taking my call. I just, I'll be quick. Uh, Once again, a faction within our society, really, has taken this opportunity um, of the events, which were pretty horrific, to accomplish their agenda, which has really had nothing to do with what happened in the U.S. as far as I'm concerned. We are a multicultural country. We have many people who are involved with race uh, problems, including whites, you know, Orients, Orientals, um, people from India, Pakistan. We're all in the same boat. Our country is multicultural. Why just pick on one one specific faction and cost millions and millions of dollars to do something? And by the way, my last point, Dundas, Ontario will become what city? I wonder. That's a that that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. <laughs> Thanks very much, Libby. Yeah. Bye. Um, so uh, I guess there's there's two things at play here, and one is you know the whole question of the symbolic value of this and the historic value, and then there's I guess the practical questions of of what it's going to mean and how much it's going to cost, and you know frankly what kind of administrative pain is involved, Christopher. Uh, well, sure. I mean, I, and obviously, I, I don't know as much about the practical matters. I'm a historian, like like, like the other uh, other guests here, so I, I can't answer as much about that. Uh, I, I can say, in terms of Dundas, you know, to, if to the extent I, I get to say, I don't know a lot about Henry Dundas. I've, I've read up a little bit on him, and if he delayed the uh, uh, you know the uh, end of the slave trade in 1790s, as suggested, and it seems 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 that's the case. This seems like a, you know, a, a thing we, we, we find quite shameful now. But I would want uh, listeners to know, to ask themselves, where else in the world was slavery abolished in the 1790s? Uh, and the answer to the question is nowhere. Uh, well, in fact, slavery true. was allowed in, was, you know, was around the world, in, mo- in most societies. And so the fact that, <sighs> that slavery came to, the slave trade came to be abolished in the early uh, 1800s, it's actually quite an astounding fact. And in fact, when, when the European slave trade ended, slavery didn't end. The, the Arab slave, slave trade, which had long preceded the, the slave trade, actually picked up again. Uh, so our understanding of what slavery is, its history, is often quite parochial. It's often focused on the West, as I guess you would imagine so. Uh, and in picking out holes in this. And, you know, listen, I, I, I don't know a lot about Dundas. Uh, obviously, I get a sense of why he's there. But it worries me that we go in with this very selective choice, very politicized choice, uh, to try and root out these um, evils. But we're very very particular about who we, who we pick on and, and, and who we don't pick on. Okay, you know what? We are um, out of time on this segment. I'm going to give the last word um, to Melanie Newton, but uh, pretty quick, please. 
Okay, so I don't have time, I'm sorry, with all due respect to my colleague, to undo all of the historical inaccuracies that he just pervaded. In fact, there were places where slavery was abolished in the 1790s, including in the entire French Empire at the time, as a result of both the Haitian and the French revolutions. Um, It was later reimposed under Napoleon, but it was in fact abolished by the French Empire in the 1790s. There were also um, particular territories in what would become what be, what was in the early United States that did in fact abolish slavery within their specific territories, many places in what is now New England. So it's like in fact completely inaccurate to say that slavery was not abolished anywhere in the 1790s. That is in fact not true. And there had in fact been a legal case in Britain in the 1770s. This is the famous Somerset case that didn't abolish slavery on British soil but said that there was, in fact, no positive law in metropolitan Britain that legitimized slavery and that people, enslaved people who made it to metropolitan Britain should could not be held against their will. Uh, Melanie, I'm, I'm sorry, I really have to go. We're going that's to have to pick point. up this conversation because obviously uh, there is a lot to learn uh, about what is transpiring here. And as I said, I think it's important for us to know our history, whether it's good or bad. Including those of us who teach it. Okay, thank you so much, Melanie Newton, Associate Professor of History at the University of Toronto, and Dr. Christopher Dummett, Associate Professor in Trent School for the Study of Canada. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.